that's okay. A little technical difficulty on the box down here. That's all good. Our sermon text today comes from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord our God, we give you thanks for this word and for the passage that we heard read from Exodus as well. Both of these mystical and mysterious encounters with you in your presence. As we are in your presence now, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we might be aware of you in this place and that we might be aware of your presence in the word that has been read. Help us, Lord, to know you and to be transformed by this knowledge and this experience of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know the language of a mountaintop experience? Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? Not necessarily on the top of a mountain like Dan may have had in Guatemala the past couple of weeks, uh, but to be in a place where you're so emotionally or spiritually high that, uh, th- that things are just going really, really well for you. You know that kind of experience? I've, I've had handful of them, several of them over the years, too. Uh, Youth conventions and other things from the past. And there are other high points throughout my life. And maybe you can point to some of those in your own life as well. This transfiguration of Jesus is literally a mountaintop experience because he and the disciples are at the top of a mountain. But I don't prefer the language mountaintop experience. I'd rather call it a thin space where the boundary between heaven and earth becomes a little bit more transparent, at least for a brief period of time. The trouble with mountaintop experiences, as our language, is that we connect those to high emotions or or emotional states that are elevated, and that's not always the case. 
That's not always how we experience God's presence at those high points in our lives. No, thin spaces are a better description of it because uh, thin spaces don't require us to be feeling happy all the time. These thin spaces can remind us that God is present with us in all circumstances, in good and bad circumstances. So this transfiguration of Jesus, I'll call it a thin space, because God's presence was made visible to God's people for that brief period of time. Now this thin space moment is surrounded by a rather dark theme If you look at the verses before and after this passage, Jesus has just begun describing to his disciples how he is going to Jerusalem and will be betrayed and executed. He will will die and will be buried. And then on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. He is direct and clear-headed about this path. But the disciples don't quite get it. Of course, they they show a variety of opinions and reactions to this news. Before this story, Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, this will never happen. We won't let it happen to you. It's almost as if he were a bit angry about this prediction that Jesus is making about his upcoming demise. And then just after this story, Jesus repeats his prediction again. I'm going to Jerusalem, I will be put to death, and on the third day I will be raised from the dead. And there the text tells us that the disciples were filled with grief at this news. And in this transfiguration story itself, what we've read today, the voice of God commands the disciples to listen to Jesus and they fall face down terrified. Terrified naturally because they have heard the voice of God, but also because that voice has told them to listen to Jesus. And it's a terrifying message that Jesus is telling them. He's talking about his upcoming suffering and death. Anger and grief and fear These are all very natural reactions for the disciples to have. Anger and grief and fear are all very normal things for us to experience too. And usually when we're experiencing anger or grief or fear or any of those other negative kinds of emotions, that's when we feel like God is the most distant from us. But watch what happens in verse 7 of the passage today, the what we've read today, Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. In that moment, the thin space becomes incredibly thin. The presence of God is revealed to look a whole lot like Jesus, and then the distance between God and humanity is collapsed. The barrier between God and humanity is removed. God comes as close as possible to the people of God. Jesus reaches out and touches the disciples, skin-on-skin contact. The presence of God transforms our lives. Our fear, our anger, our grief, these are not obstacles which prevent God from being present in our lives. These are obstacles that God wants to transform so that we might have abundant life in Christ. 
But see, the abundant life in Christ does not look like a lifetime of mountaintop experiences that just never end. Abundant life in Christ looks a whole lot like death and resurrection. In the presence of Jesus, our anger, grief, and fear are transformed into life. Life that takes the shape of the cross. Immediately before this passage that we've read today, Jesus tells his disciples that anyone who wants to follow him, anyone who wants to be his disciple, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. He says that trying to save your life is not as important as losing your life for Jesus' sake. Gaining the whole world but losing your soul is meaningless. This is what Jesus is saying. And the transfiguration story, in that story, the voice of God says, listen to this guy. We who follow Jesus are on a journey through death and resurrection. Because that's the journey that he took. That's the path to abundant life. Sometimes the journey through death and resurrection looks more like death and sorrow and loss and hardship more than it looks like resurrection and new life and positive things and hope. The presence of God is not limited to good times, to mountaintop experiences. God is present with us even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God was present with Jesus all the way through his journey to the cross, all the way through his death and burial. Yes, Jesus, while he was on the cross, cried out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As if to suggest that perhaps God was distant from him at that moment. Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. The first line of Psalm 22 is that line. And it surely expresses the human experience that Jesus had of that suffering. But God was still present with Jesus in the midst of that suffering. God was suffering with Jesus. God was suffering in Jesus. Jesus quoted that first line of Psalm 22, and he, like anyone else who had studied the Psalms for their entire lives, would have had the entire Psalm in his mind and in his heart. And a verse later on in that same Psalm says that God has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. God's presence is just as close to us in our times of suffering as in our most euphoric and happy times. All we need is a little thin space so that we can recognize God's presence in the midst of our anger and grief and fear. But how can we be assured of God's presence in our difficult times? It's great that Jesus was right there with his disciples and came and touched them, but we can't have that skin-on-skin contact with Jesus today. Well, here are a few thoughts. Number one, we do have the example of Jesus, who knows suffering firsthand. That is to say, God is not unfamiliar with our circumstances. God knows what it is to suffer. 
Number two, we may not have Jesus in the flesh with us today, but we can experience that kind of closeness, that presence in the presence of a caring person who follows Jesus and who embodies his way. We become the hands and feet of Christ when we reach out to others and, and touch them as Jesus touched the disciples to tell them not to be afraid, to let them know that they're not alone. Number three, we have the experience of communion, which we will share here in the upcoming weeks as we enter into the season of Lent. Uh, The experience of communion is a mysterious moment where the spiritual and the material intermingle with each other. As close as the bread and juice come to you through you ingesting them, that's how close Jesus can come to you as well. Number four, we can develop rhythms and routines and practices that point us in the direction of God's presence. The more we develop these rhythms and routines, the more we will be attuned to God's presence in our lives. And these rhythms can take a lot of forms. Regular times of prayer, reading scripture, turning off all of our distractions, slowing down, listening for the voice of God. One way to do that is to come back here on Wednesday. Our Ash Wednesday service will be here at 7 p.m. You can come and begin that journey of Lent, a season of preparation as we anticipate going through the the events of Holy Week one more time, um, Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday and, and then Easter Sunday, of course. Another way of developing rhythms and routines is to do research about what those uh, rhythms and practices might be to develop an awareness of the presence of God. And if you're curious about how to connect with God, I can, I can show you some resources that I've got and walk through them with you and, and see if something might, might uh, click with you. We're each different. We each have different ways of, of understanding God's presence. Uh, so it might take some time to, to figure out what's best in your practice. But here's one idea, something that maybe all of us can experience today. It's a relatively warm, sunny day today. Um, Don't look too closely at the forecast. It's not going to last this week. But today is a nice day. So today, this afternoon perhaps, for about 10 minutes or so, sit in the sunlight You might do it indoors. It might not be warm enough to do this outdoors yet, but find a a window or some place where you can just have the sun shine on you. Sit in the sunlight for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and close your eyes. Turn off all of your devices and electronics, all of the distractions that might uh, interrupt your, your experience of God's presence. And as your eyes are closed, sitting in the sunlight, imagine, use your imagination to imagine being in the cloud of God's presence that's described here in the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. A bright cloud enveloped them. Sit quietly in the sunshine. And imagine what that might have been like. God was present in that moment. And God is present in this moment too. 
Jesus touches the disciples and says, get up and don't be afraid. It's a call for each of us to live intentionally with Christ-centered purpose and with an awareness that Jesus is present with you no matter where you are along the journey. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks that you are present with us in all times. And as we enjoy one more pleasant pre-spring day, we pray that the sunshine would remind us of this tremendous story of your glory shining forth in the person of Jesus. Help us to pursue that presence, the presence of of Jesus, the presence of the divine in our everyday lives in ways that bring meaning and clarity and purpose to what we say and do. Help us to find you in the midst of our circumstances, whether we call them good or bad. But help us to know always that you are present with us and that you're always asking us just to turn our eyes toward you. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ, our Savior, who calls us to live with his purpose and his intentionality, to live out the shape of his cross. We pray all this in his name. Amen.